This is uh, Colin Schatz. I'm Seth Parr now. I am joined by my good friend, uh, my nerd she wrote uh, compatriot, um, a man who says he has spicy thoughts today, uh, Mo DeKeel. Mo, welcome. What is up, Seth? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm, I am, so let's start with with the surprising part of the start of the second round. Um, I did not see that coming from game one of Boston and Milwaukee. Neither did I. I think the, but part of that is, I think we've just haven't seen Boston play that poorly in a long time. Even in games they've lost in that, in this run, they've not been that bad. And I felt like that was one of their worst games since they started to turn things around. I think that's true, but I also think we do have to give Milwaukee a lot of credit for helping them to play badly. I think that given the, I mean, we we all we all looked and said, "Oh man, look at the advantage that uh, that 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 Boston has on the on the perimeter," and Milwaukee was like, "You know what? Screw that." We're gonna we're gonna have our guys get up in physical. We're gonna run up and down the floor. We're gonna muck up the game. And you guys have talent on the wings, but what you don't have aside from Jalen Brown is speed. And they picked up full court. They went chest to chest whenever possible defensively. And I really think that discombobulated everyone up to and especially Jason Tatum. I think. Am I am I am I wrong? No, no, you're 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 not wrong. And I didn't want my first. what I was saying before wasn't taking anything away from yeah. Milwaukee. That only happens if the other team does their job, right? And that's exactly what Milwaukee did. Milwaukee said, look, uh, Grayson Allen's not going to get bigger in between series. Um, you know, uh, Pat Connaughton's not going to grow in between series. At this point, it was, what are our advantages and let's play to our strength. I mean, the other thing, and I think this is really important, is Drew Holiday had a monster game on both ends of the court. Like, he he played that game like he was sending a message. Like, hey, you guys forgot about me as a defensive player. You know, like, I'm a hell of a player. He's walking in into knocking down transition threes by, you know, walking threes just simply like that and things like that. Like, I think there was a lot that Milwaukee did, and they just said, hey, we're not as big as you on the wings, but we got this dude Giannis. And he can dominate. We have Holiday, and he can he, he he can dominate. Then you had your role players really step up. Like for Milwaukee, it was the perfect game for them. It was a great game plan from Bud, who we often criticize, um, but I think he put in a great plan in there, and they rolled through it. And and now it's time for the Celtics to figure out how to respond. I think there's one name that that we haven't mentioned, and this is something I want to get to because we. You know, we're part of the concept of what we wanted to talk about was sort of truths and myths of the playoffs. And there's this this notion out there that big guys can't play in the playoffs anymore. And you know who was, I think, an immense part of Bo- of Milwaukee's play- of success, especially defensively, was Brooke Lopez. I think that that a lot of of Boston's quick trigger jump shots and skittishness with the ball was when they tried to get to the basket. Brooks swallowed them up for large stretches of the game. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the importance of Brook Lopez defensively for this this Bucks team really showed itself this year. People weren't convinced. Go look at what their numbers were last year when he was healthy, and then this year when he basically didn't play most of the, the season. I think you you can see the difference, and what it does is it's not just him being the rim protector and stonewalling guys at the rim. It also allows Giannis to play free safety. Right, and it's Giannis gets to come in from from pulling off the wing and reject shots because Lopez is there to stop them at first, and then when they go to pull up, there's Giannis coming in from behind with you know twenty five foot wingspan, <laughs> uh, you, you know, and just swiping away at it. So it's it, 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 it's it's one of those things. But that notion, which is a flat out lie, like big men can't play in the playoffs, like it's it's. It's silly. You know, I, I think some big men can't, but also there's some guards that can't play in the playoffs. There's some wings that can't play in the playoffs. You know, right. it's, a, it's an individual thing. It's not a positional thing. And I think what you're seeing is with the Bucks, for this team to be successful, Brooke Lopez has to be 
on the court for a good amount of time because that really kind of anchors the defense. So what do we think that, that Boston can do differently? I think, I, I, as you said, a big part of it is just play better. Don't throw the ball around the gym. Make some jumpers. Like, have a little bit more composure in the half-court offense because Milwaukee, Milwaukee, I thought, took some rushed shots, but I think that was part of their game plan to, to inject some pace into the game. And I think you, you maybe live with a, with a uh, optimistic Pat Connaughton transition three or two if it's, if, it, if it's the kind of thing that gets the game a little scrambled. And Boston didn't really want to play that way. Yeah, I think there was, it was a really funky game to me for Boston for a couple of reasons. One, I think they got away, Seth, from what they were doing offensively all season during this, this massive run. You know, I think they really, I did a Twitter thread on their, their offense that night because I was just so perturbed by it. They really went to like, I'm going to put this on me. I'm going to make everything happen. As great as the defense was, you have Jalen Brown driving into traffic, not finding the kickouts, not finding the dump offs on the baseline when it, it, you know one Lopez steps up and things like that. I think there were opportunities that were missed offensively, and a lot of it felt like, "Yo, I'm going to do this on my own." And it wasn't just I mean, Jalen Brown was terrible. He had seven turnovers. There's no argument. There's no we we can look at that, but it started to trickle down because you had plays where Grant Williams is trying to drive in the lane and take somebody one-on-one, and Giannis is just rejecting the shot. It's like, Grant, that's not your job. It's not what you do. And, you know, Peyton Pritchard pulling up off of a screen with 13 seconds on the shot clock with no passes in transition. And I know some people were telling me, like, hey, no, he's a pretty good pull-up shooter. Time and score and what you needed in that moment was not a offensive possession completely controlled by Peyton Pritchard. Come off the screen, attack, find somebody else, and get the ball moving. And, and even if that's true, like he did it like three times in a row. Well, he was over for four from three in the fourth yeah. quarter, and that and was his fourth three. It was. It yeah. wasn't. I'm hot. <laughs> but, but three, of, the, three of those shots came in about thirty seconds, though. And yeah, on like like he, I think he had one in transition, and then he took two on a on the next play when they got a they got an offensive rebound. But yeah, I, I think that it was. Like part of a big part of what they've been better at, and this is where I think the physicality on Tatum did a lot, is so much of their offense was predicated on Tatum's improvement in the pick and roll, and it didn't even seem like Milwaukee let him get to the screen. They were just bodying him and shoving him, yeah. and their whole offense was so far out on the floor. I, I think a lot of that was because of the, 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 the pressure up front in the backcourt. I think really, like you said, it sort of just discombobulated the uh, the Celtics. And I think the funny thing is, game one's the perfect time to throw that at a team. Like, how often had the Bucks done that all year? Right? Pick up full court. Like the last guy. time they did that was, I think, it was it might have been game three of the finals where they had, uh, they, they did that to Chris Paul. I think they right, just, they, right, they, right. They, yeah. You, you haven't done it all year. And so, like, it's not like that's anything Boston was thinking about game one. And all of a sudden, it's like, huh, they're going to do this all game? <laughs> like, oh, we, uh-oh. <laughs> we, we didn't prepare for that one. Like, and that's the challenge there. But what's the counter for Boston? Because if you think about, like, their strengths, again, they, they whatever you want to say about Dennis Schroeder, he's fast with the ball. Now, it's not like everything else he brought to the table probably made him a negative, but they don't have really anyone who is fast with the ball now. And so that, that seems like one of the best ways to beat that sort of that it's not like a it's not a run and jump trap, but it is ball pressure kind of from the free throw line down. Well, so like part of it and they were doing some of this in this game, and some of these were some really bad fouls, like bad foul calls. You know, Al Horford got called for a foul where the dude just tripped over his foot. You know, like I don't in the backcourt, but setting a screen in the backcourt. But I think also kind of just extending and, and, and stretching out your offense, which for Boston, really, it isn't a bad idea. Stretch the floor a little bit, space it out, make Brook pull Brook a little bit away from the paint. In essence, you know, because you're going to have Ty set the screen when he's in the game, or Horford, whoever whoever Lopez is guarding. Have him set the screen in the backcourt. I know Lopez is going to wait 
you know, pretty pretty far back. But that then creates an opportunity there. I think there there are ways to do it. But I think ultimately set the screen higher in the half court even, you know, and, and, and dare it. So make it so that Lopez has to come guard Tatum, you know, three feet beyond the three-point line, right? And I think that w- that's where you can kind of try to find those things. Some of it is, too. It just got to be tougher. I hate yeah. saying it. I, I, hate, I hate that being the analysis. But the analysis sometimes is that simple. Yeah, man, just just be tough. Yeah, no, it, it did seem like they they had less movement than usual because, you know, they'd start a cut and Milwaukee would robustly check check the cutter. Uh, and the guy would just, well, I guess I'm going to stay in the corner then. And I think, you know, working and, and fighting through that a little more, like, you'll get some, A, you'll get some foul calls. B, you'll just get some movement in the offense. And, yeah. and I was, like, and that was, I think I, that was a point I was going to ask about is it did seem like they were, it wasn't just Boston's physicality on the ball. It seemed like they they almost, like, you know, Boston wants to fill the corners, but it almost seemed like they had guys pinned in the corners because uh, uh, the, the Milwaukee defenders wouldn't let them move. Yeah, like Milwaukee Milwaukee did a great job. The only thing I'll say, and it, 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 the positive stuff for, for Boston is these were all, to me, these were all mistakes and not actual flaws. Right, I felt like they played poorly offensively. I mean, so in in theory, what I mean by the difference between a mistake and a flaw is you can fix a mistake. You can't always fix a flaw in the moment, right? Like I think they can. I don't think they're going to throw the ball all over the court the way they did. And I think by if they don't throw the ball all over the court, I think that limits Milwaukee's transition because Milwaukee wasn't great in the half court. No, I, they, thought, I mean they, I thought Boston was fine defensively for the most part. Yeah, it was. What hurt them was, I think it was like twenty-eight points in transition, twenty-seven points off of turnovers. You know, some of there's a Venn diagram where a lot of those go together, and some of that went from like bad decisions. You know, back to the offense in the sense of there's a possession that just it's seared in my head. But Jalen Brown early in the game, driving an early offense, trying to get an attack. I forget who the guard was, but Lopez comes over. He gets stuck, throws the ball away. Drew Holiday catches it, seals it dribbles up the court, Horford's guarding him, and Horford backs up all the way into the paint, and Holiday pulls up for a transition three. There's another play similar to that one, and it leads to uh, Wesley Matthews' three. Like, just those types of turnovers, live ball turnovers, and then quick opportunities for the Bucks. I felt like that was the difference in the game more than anything else, even despite them not being able to get going in the half court. If they cut down on that, it's a lot closer game, and at that point, then it becomes – then the, the, the not having Middleton will really show. Because I think in close games, not having Middleton will be the challenge. So this, I'm actually looking at, at cleaning the glass is actually has a lot of good good stats for this. Um, Milwaukee only averaged like, like three-quarters of a point per half-court play, like really poor. But they basically, the entire margin of the game um, was, uh, you know, they basically were between what Boston didn't get and what Milwaukee did get, they were basically plus 14 in transition, including including they got 11 extra points off of steals, basically, yeah. relative to their, their half-court offense. And that's, you know, they won the game by 12. That's that's kind of the game right there. It's I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. Like, live, uh, live ball turnovers is the absolute worst, Seth, and you know this. I'd almost rather if you're going to turn the ball over, throw it out of bounds. Like, just, <laughs> so, if you're, <laughs> let me set my defense. <laughs> that's no, that's that's that, like goes back to that's my 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 JV coach in high school was a you know an enormous guy bellowed out, "You're going to make that pass, throw the ball in the stands." Yeah, like, oh. yeah, and and like Boston was throwing like they were trying to fit pocket passes in and like you know there was a there was a, a couple plays where like someone tried to throw like a hook pass out by. Mid court and Wes Matthews got like tipped it up in the air and stole it and just like be a little more solid. Yeah, it was just it was just really it was and then it was a, a lot of guys again doing stuff that's not them like that's not what you need from them you know Al Horford trying to squeeze in a pass to Jason Tatum off the cut and Horford's a good passer but this was like yo you needed to be Tom Brady like precision. And to squeeze it in that type of window with Holiday coming and then the weak side rotating over, and even if Tatum caught it, there's absolutely nothing he could have done. <laughs> like I think there was just there were just so many possessions like that where I felt like 
I watched this team on offense, and I just said, man, this was not the team that I've been watching throughout the course of the the end of the regular season or midway through the regular season on. And I feel like, you know, some of it too might be, and this is going to, I'm going to ask you this question. How much of this has to do with having an easy first round against Brooklyn in terms of they got whatever they wanted at any point in that series? So I've been thinking about this a lot uh, because my last year with the Bucks, we beat the Pistons by about 700 points. Uh, in four games in the first round, and then we came into the, in, into the first in the first game of round two against Boston and in Milwaukee, and they kind of beat the crap out of us, and we laid an absolute egg. And when, when I went back and looked at that game, I was like, you know what? We sucked. They hit every shot. We're fine. There's I I, I feel halfway to that about Boston. Like they sucked. Milwaukee was good, but not like, you know, that was, that, I remember correctly, Boston was like something like 22 of 34 from mid-range or something in that, in that game one. And it wasn't like Milwaukee was like, a, had a ridiculous shooting night. Like, yeah, Javon Carter hit some pull-ups and, and you know, uh, and, and Holiday made, made jumpers and transition and stuff like that. And those, those will happen sometimes, but it wasn't like a ridiculous shooting game from the Bucks. I mean, yeah, this was 9 of 25. So yeah. it's not like, you know... Um, so I feel like it's it, it, it's worrisome more so because of the fact of being down one nothing, but there are things that need to to improve. And it's not like I came out of that game thinking, you know what, we're going to win the next four games. I don't feel like, even though I picked Boston in five before the series, I don't think Boston's winning the next four games. Well, I think it's going to be a tough tougher series than I think we anticipated. And, and that's where the credit goes to the Bucks, right? I think, you know, that's where you got to say, like, hey, maybe we miss, you know, uh, or maybe we underestimated them. You know, I, I, I had picked it. I was with you on murder. I did the same thing. I was like, man, this thing's over. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, that should fall on us a little bit in that sense of, like, underestimating the Bucks' kind of pride a little bit, you know, and, 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 and even though Giannis shot poorly, man, he turned into, like, Magic Johnson with his passing. That was fun um, with, with, with what he was doing on the court that night. But I think ultimately I still, I still think Boston wins this series. I just think it's going to be a lot tougher. And I think this is, this is the playoffs. It's going to be tough. You're going to have tough games. Like, this is something that we, we can expect. You know, I think, you know, the, the, the most important thing to me, though, if they're going to win this series, they got to win tonight. This oh, yeah. is a must win. You, yes. just, you can't go down 2-0 and, and, and go to Milwaukee and think that, hey, like we're going we're, we're gonna to win the next four or something or win four of the next five. Like I, I would have no confidence of it. They have to win tonight. And really, like, Grayson Allen, Wes Matthews, Javon Carter, Pat Connaughton can't outplay Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Derek White. Like, can't, that, that can't – that, like – but we, well, they can play Derek White. Derek White hasn't been as good as everybody. No, said. but I'm but I'm I'm saying like collectively, like collectively, those, like right. yeah, collectively, like those like you know we that's sort of where we thought you know Boston had you know saying that that Holiday and Tatum like that's advantage um, Boston, but it's not like a blowout. I think the other perimeter positions is where we really expected Boston to have an advantage, and um, the Boston the the Milwaukee perimeter guys were substantially better in game one. Yeah, and, and, and I also think we should also caveat this, too. I really hope Marcus Smart is healthy because he, yeah. he he went down every quarter with something. I'm, I'm, I'm Hopefully, he, you know, he did not look good limping off the court into the tunnel after after that game. So, you know, that also might sway things there. If, yes. if he's not healthy or if he has a real serious issue and is going to be decreased mobility, that will probably change the complexion of the series. But I st- if he's healthy, I still think they're going to be st- going to be just fine and figure it out. I think tonight they'll get back to their their roots of what they were and and kind of remember, you know, like they're 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 going to come in there. I can almost see Ime Yudoka just yelling to them, like, you know, make them remember the night they played the Celtics, very similar to the remember the Titans. <laughs> I don't want them to gain another layup. <laughs> 
They don't gain another yard. Yeah. sport coach. They don't get another yard. <laughs> Honestly, that that was the defense that Milwaukee was playing for a lot of games. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um, I think that's going to be an important thing there. But I I, I think Boston's going to be fun. Um. Let's let's move to the other game, the like the other game two tonight. How the hell did Golden State win that game? Oh, I mean, part of it was just questionable decisions from Memphis offensively. Like, I'm sorry, man, I get scared every time the ball's in Dylan Brooks's hands, and he thinks it's time for him to create. Anytime yeah. he's, anytime an action's run for him, or he's the first pass out of the thing, I'm like, this place got problems. <laughs> like, I don't trust him, but I think ultimately. You just got to look at the fact. I you say how did Golden State win that thing? I'm more just shocked Memphis didn't blow the. I mean Memphis didn't win this with all the breaks they got. That's what I'm saying. Is like like Steph was just okay. Draymond gets kicked out. They get a huge game from Jaron Jackson. Like Golden State has foul trouble. Out, like in addition to Draymond getting like what like how it doesn't. Uh, not even that. Not even that. Seth. They missed, there was a possession where the Warriors missed four threes on one possession, or three threes. They kept getting the offensive rebound, kick out for threes, and the Grizzlies kept giving up open threes. It wasn't even like these were contested. They kept giving up open threes, missed them. They finally get uh, a Clay Thompson three to go off one. Then Clay goes to the line and misses two free throws. And then off of that, off the missed free throw, the referees missed the call, and it's clearly out on Memphis. I think it was Brooks who, was, who threw it out. And it's a jump ball. They win the tip and have another chance to go. It's like I, I, Memphis, this was, this was a golden opportunity to steal a game with all the breaks you got. I don't know what you're going to do in game two if you don't have those breaks. I mean, they, you, gotta, you do have to say that after all that sequence, that was, a, uh, that was sort of the, a variation on the brace drew play, that, 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 that there was a heck of an ATL. To, to get Morant at least a look at a layup to, to win the it game. Was, it's an unbelievable ATO, and it's actually something I've talked about on my Twitch stream a lot. If I have a guy as fast as John Morant, that's exactly the type of stuff I want to run. Sort of like a hook, like almost a hook and ladder type. type. Hook and ladder. I want him coming downhill. I'm going to every end of game play where I'm down one, I don't need a three. Or, or you, you know, or, or just down two. I'm starting him in the backcourt. Because him with a head of steam, man, good luck. <laughs> Who can keep up with that? How many guys in the league can keep up with him just foot to foot, you know, on that? Like, and, and Payton did a good job. Clay did a great job just leaving Clark and going immediately and, and, and almost walling off the paint a little bit. Um, it's funny. I actually had, like, a real random flashback, and this is a small aside, but in my San Antonio Spurs days, you know, we they do the we call it the daily vitamin, which is the individual work before practice. Everybody gets about like fifteen minutes. And one guy I would work with a lot was uh, Chris Quinn with shooting coach Chip uh, Chip England. And one drill we would work on was literally I would just have to play defense along the lane, and Chris had to work on making layups from that angle, right? And it was it was a simple warm up stuff, but it was just that. And I go, that was exactly that play. Ja had to take that one step further than he wanted to. He normally he can make those, but still one step further than he wanted to, and that was because Clay did a great job walling off the paint. It's, it's a it's a tougher shot than you think if you're moving as fast as he was. Yeah, you know it's 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 just unbelievable. You know it's, it's and, and that's the other thing too. He was so fast he had no ability to slow down, and and then Peyton coming in from behind, like it wasn't an easy shot at all. But damn near, damn near went in. Like they really did almost just steal a game that they didn't deserve at all. Um, can we talk about them still playing a ten man rotation? Just, like <laughs> a, a sort of a key part of the game was start of the fourth quarter, and like, like I like John Concher. He's a nice depth piece. What is he doing playing in the four, in the start of, in the fourth quarter of a close playoff game? Yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff when I'm watching it, at, like. That's the stuff where it's I, I I don't know what the what the thinking is on that because he's a nice guy. It's one of those things like every now and then you'll throw out there, but it, it's got to be just a, a issue of uh, foul trouble. I think some of it was Brooks was in foul trouble quite a bit, if I remember correctly. Also, sorry, folks, if my stats aren't exactly right on, just because 
lot of games and <laughs> however many weeks we've had, yeah. they've all blurred into one and it doesn't help when they confuse me with jerseys being different colors and things like that. I'm not that smart as Seth can attest to. Um, but I think foul trouble might have played a little bit of a bigger role than, than he wanted to. I don't know. I'll be surprised if Conchar gets those types of minutes again tonight. Now, who will get minutes is Melton. Yeah, no, it's, and I was glad to see Melton kind of get dusted back off. But this has been sort of a constant theme. Like, in the last, like, he hadn't gotten hurt, that would be Zaire Williams. And it's just like, you know, Kyle Anderson's a guy who has success against the Warriors as, as in, in the past. And he only he played 19 minutes. Like, you can't. You can't give those eight or nine Conchar minutes between like Anderson, Melton, and Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones only played twelve minutes, and that's like Tyus Jones and John Morant together has been has been good, especially I would think against some of the small ball that that uh, Golden State is putting out there. It just it, it's sort of. I I like, think some of it too from Jenkins is okay. They got small guards out there. Let me get my guys out. Let me get Conchar. He can chase these guys for a little bit. And things like that. I think there's some of that thinking. Not saying it's right, but <laughs> definitely I think my, trying to figure out what the thinking is. I think that's something that might be in line with that. Um, I also this is this is going to be an odd sort of this is this is maybe more your bag than mine. But I feel like Golden State's experience showed um, in some subtle ways. I was remember I, I was actually I was rewatching the game this morning. Um, and there's a couple plays in the like mid third quarter where Memphis like Melton gets a three off of an offensive rebound, and Jaron Jackson is just like losing like like losing his mind celebrating half court, not like taunting or anything like that, but just like that's a big play yelling, and and then Golden State comes down and runs like Golden State split stuff and. And like the Memphis kind of messes up a guard to guard switch, and they slip a pass to Clay for the layup, and Golden State just runs back on defense. And like, you don't want to take away the exuberance that's a, such a big part of Memphis, but I felt like that was telling in just in terms of of like, even though Golden State didn't play great, they still just kind of kept doing, kept working, kept doing, keep it up. Okay, Clay Clay gets a three bang, we win. Let's go home. It's- it's it's uh, this is going to be great. This is another uh, remember the Titans reference, but the Warriors just play like it's Novocaine. Just give it time, always works. You know, it's 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 going. They're going they're going to find those. You know, it's 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 almost like it it felt like this when I'm watching them going because I felt like for most of the game like Warriors are going to come back. The Warriors are going to come back. They're going to win this game. Like they're going to win this game. I was nervous as hell in that last possession. Don't get me wrong, but um, the the. I'm watching it, and I'm saying, you know, the reason why I say that is just Clay can go 0 for 50. He sees that one go in, you're in trouble, right? And he and he's going to keep shooting. They're, the thing about them is they're not going to be shy, right? Well, like they're, you could say the same about Dylan Brooks, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Dylan Brooks isn't for- making them. <laughs> Dylan Brooks isn't making. The other team is feeding him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just going, have at it. You know, but there's a difference with with, with with Clay and Steph and those guys, right? Like, even on their off nights, you know that they can still get it going pretty quickly. And I feel like, for Memphis, some of this is youthful exuberance. And I don't mind it. I actually don't mind the celebrating on what you think is a big play. Just don't blow up a defensive assignment doing it, right? And, 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 and screw up that end. But I think there is an element of experience versus inexperience here. Like, we got to look at this Memphis team, and I think, People are gonna. Some people are gonna feel like if they lose the series, even if they get swept, they're gonna. People are gonna look at it going like, "What a failure of a year!" This season has been a complete success for Memphis. Finishing the, the the two seed, they moved. They got their first series win as a group. You know, like it, 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 in a tough one too. Granted, it was ugly as all hell, but you know, in a, it, in a, 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 a still a tough way. You know, they found a way. They persevered after you know, have, losing some bad games and, and, and some tough losses. I feel like there's a uh, instance with them where you can feel like, hey, whatever they do from here on, they're playing with house money. And maybe the expectations have gotten a little ahead of themselves in, in terms of the reality, but let them be excited. Let them enjoy this stuff and and, and have it, and, and but just don't let it cost you something. Because yeah. Draymond's going to celebrate stuff. You know, when they hit a big three, Draymond's going to do his thing and stuff. Clay is just, he's too cool anyways. 
<laughs> you know, and too calm. I don't, I don't, when we see Clay celebrate something, we know it's something big, but generally he's usually just chill. Um, and I think that's kind of one of those personality things. It, it's it, it, from, it, it, from Jackson in particular, like this is a game where he largely stayed out of foul trouble, but he still only played 31 minutes. And it seems like him being on the floor is so important for Memphis the series that it's it's almost like the the use of energy on on something like that is is almost more the the again and this is this is you know this is maybe me yelling at a cloud but it's like I, I you know again how like him playing thirty one minutes how does that how does that come to be in, in a in a close game where he doesn't have trouble that's 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 a problem with 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 Jenkins's rotation there, you know, maybe a glitch in the matrix and as great as Clark was and things like that. I think maybe at times he's trying to match up a little too much and just be like, nah, screw it. We're bigger. Just go, you know? And I think put your good players on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And I think that happens with coaches sometimes. Here's the thing. People don't, people don't give coaches enough credit. I probably don't do it either. And that sucks because I'm actually kind of been one for a while. Um, (laughs) But, like, it is kind of human nature, too, right? Like, it's in a moment. It's a snap decision. It's boom, you know, and, and mistakes can be made, you know. Like, nobody will ever admit it. But I wonder. I want a coach just one day going, like, hey, why didn't Jaron Jackson get more minutes? Yeah, I forgot he was on the bench. <laughs> like, give, give me the honest answer. You know, I forgot for two minutes that he wasn't in the game. You know, I was thinking of what coverage we're going to run or whatever, and I didn't, you know, I screwed up. And I think there's – there's some of that there, but they got to do a better job, and that's where your assistants got to come in, going like, "Yo, man, you know, I, I I'm actually going to rescind this as I'm, I was just looking it up again. He actually he played 11 minutes in the first half. He had three fouls. He didn't pick up any fouls in the second half. And he played like 1945 in the second half. So all right, that that's that that that's he played you know, plenty. <laughs> yeah, so I rescind that. That's so Jaron, stop fouling in the first half. Then is more what that is. For the love of God. <laughs> Yeah, We've just I mean, like this, and, and also stop complaining on them. They're fouls, man. Oh. <laughs> They're fouls. <laughs> um, I wonder which which of the other two of the two games from last night do you want to touch on? Do you want to? I mean, is I think we can get go through Philly quickly. I just think that they're they're done. Like I don't, I they like Harden doesn't seem like he has it anymore, and they just aren't going to be able to score if he's not without Embiid. Am I am I being too flippant there, or no? It's not, like, you're, it's not like Miami played like great last night. Miami didn't play well, and they didn't have Kyle Lowry. I think last night's game showed you the importance of Lowry because they were throwing the ball all over the court in the first half. Like their turnovers, I was like, "Sheesh, you guys really are just kind of tossing this thing every which way." Um, but I think the 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 thing I found most interesting in that game and. Anybody who listens to Nerd or Shiro knows knows my love for Doc Rivers. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like he's just at this point not at all being creative. There was a run, they went at on a run. Point. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, but you know, they they went on a run at the end of the first half and took the lead. They went on a ten to two run, and it's something I was saying that they should. I was I've been saying this since since I heard the news with Embiid. So the smartest thing for them to do is play five-out basketball and go small, right? And, 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 it, and it worked. They were on a 10-2 to two run. They had Harden, Maxi, Green, Harris, and Yang out there, right? And it, listen, it's not like the most sexiest of names, but what it's going to do is spread the floor. It makes it a little harder for Bam to just clog up the paint. I think it opens up opportunities for you offensively, and that's exactly what happened. It allowed them to set screens and get switches. P.J. Tucker switches on to Maxi. And Maxie's going to blow by him. Maxie is probably the only dude, I think, who could run with John Moran, except he doesn't play any defense, so it wouldn't have mattered on that last play. Um, but you have those opportunities there offensively. And defensively, it actually holds up pretty well because Bam's At least against not, Miami. Against Miami. This isn't something yeah. you'd want to do. This is just for this series, and I think it's not even. A, it might not even be enough to win the game, to win the series, but it's enough to keep you in games. And that's all you got to do right now. Stay in a game, try to steal one. And it was funny because they do that in the end of the second, end of the first half. Doc doesn't put that team, that lineup back on the floor until mid, midway through the fourth quarter when it's a 19 point game. Yeah. And I'm like, look, man, like this is, 
I get your love for DeAndre Jordan. He was great for you when you were with the Clippers. This ain't the same DeAndre Jordan. And I feel like it's one of those, it's, it's, it's stubbornness at this point and things like that where he's like, I'm not going to let other people tell me who to play. I'm just looking at it going like, you had a lineup that worked and you just went away from it. You gave it five minutes in the first half and it gave you a plus eight advantage. You put it out there in a situation where Miami was already rolling and you only gave it two minutes. That's the kind of stuff that frustrates me with Doc, and I think that's going to be their downfall in the series. Besides, obviously, um, not having Joel what, Embiid. What I mean, assuming like, um, which happens first? Um, who starts a game first for Philadelphia in this series? Um, Joel Embiid or another, someone who is neither Embiid nor DJ? Oh, it's it's Joel Embiid. There's, yeah. I mean, no, Doc's already said it. Doc literally came out yeah. in the press conference. And said, you know, <laughs> Joel Embiid starting whether you like it or not. First off, I hate how defensive he's becoming as a coach in terms of how he's going at the media. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. It just matters if you're going to win a game. And I think that's, that's the problem there, you know. And what's, what's funny about it, Seth, and this is the thing, Doc knew in the first half this wasn't working. He played DJ the first four minutes. They went down 12 points. He immediately took DJ out. It wasn't foul trouble. He just took DJ out. Paul Reed goes in, does a pretty good job, picks up two fouls quickly. So you got to go back to a, another big man because you're not going to play small yet. And but, so, so stop right there. Like if you if you're not really playing on playing Paul Reed big minutes, why do you care if he has two fouls? Right. No, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I think it's just I, part of the concern too is like, okay, well, if he's going to keep picking up fouls, they're going to be in the bonus quicker, yeah, and they're going to start getting the free throw line. So there is. It's more than just Paul Reed's foul trouble that's at risk with with that. Especially because he's so foul prone, and he's he's young, and Doc didn't really give him a lot of minutes in the regular season, so he doesn't know how to play just yet. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, you know, subtle subtle shot there. But so when Doc's looking down at his bench, he doesn't go back to DJ. He goes to Paul Millsap, who hadn't played a game since March 29th. Like what? He didn't play any in the Toronto series, and 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 the last time he played was against the Bucks in March, end of March. So you, you had basically went to bench the guy and didn't go to your starting center. And then you get all upset at the end of the game when people are like, why are you still playing DJ? Doc, you didn't want to play him at the end of the, the second quarter. You know, I think that's the stuff I'm watching. And, and I just think there's, there's this is what's going to hurt Philly the most is that, that lack of creativity and ingenuity and willing to just try something. You're yeah, in a situation, I mean, yeah. throw everything at the wall. Yeah, what's gonna? I mean, what's gonna hurt them? I mean, like, you know, hurts them the most. Obviously, Embiid is being out, but they don't have, like, you, uh, you flip, you flip the teams around, and like, I think that 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 Spo with the with the Philly roster would would have gotten weird a lot more a lot sooner. And 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 to be honest, let's be a little bit fair to Doc. He did try a lot of things on the court. Went to zones, was trying to mix things up there in that sense and, and stuff like that. But it's like the other component is try some of the personnel. He played 32 lineups yesterday, Seth, in a game. In one game. He tried everything. 11 guys played in the first half. He had 14 on the, 14 dressed. 13 played the whole game. I don't understand why uh, the, the last guy couldn't get it in a garbage time, but that's a different story. Um, you know, but, like, he, he, he's throwing everything at the wall, as well he should. But once he found something that worked, he didn't go back to it. And I don't understand that. And that's, that's my, my thinking. And I wonder if, again, it goes back to maybe in the moment nobody noticed. Maybe they didn't catch on it. But I'm like, it's kind of hard to think you went on a run and took a lead at halftime and decided not. I was like, I was on Twitter going, like, that lineup should start the second half. And it wasn't against, like, Miami's second unit. It was against Miami's main unit. And what I mean by that is, Hero was in the game. You had Tucker, you had Butler, you had Bam, um, and you had Struess on the court. Like, with Lowry out, that's who they're going to probably close games with. And I just think it was interesting that they they just didn't try to attack that again. And and I was just caught off guard by it. Has Miami, does my, hmm. Miami's winning games, do they impress you? They did in the Atlanta series. Just in the sense of like how how much they crushed 
young. And maybe that's partly because I'm sadistic and don't really like young that much. So it was like, suffer young man. But like, um, <laughs> sorry, that was mean. I just got really, I've been really angry at Trey Young ever since the comment of like, oh, it's hard boring. to get up regular to the regular boring. season. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, like that. I've been angry at him for a long time. So there is some personal stuff there with me. But, <laughs> but I was impressed with just how ruthless their defense was and vicious is the way it felt, you know? Like, it was like, we're, it was a uh, a python, right? Just slowly constricting you. And every chance you, every time you gasp for air, it just squeezed tighter and tighter. And that's what that, that defense felt like. They didn't impress me with this one today. You, you know, and, and, and I thought they were just sloppy. I thought they took advantage of a team that's, that's I mean, they're, I mean, let's just be honest. The Sixers are screwed without Joel Embiid. There's no question about it. He's an MVP the caliber talent, like you're 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 in a tough scenario trying to win this game, trying to win a game, let alone a series. And I think you know, watching that, I just wasn't that impressed by Miami. I felt like they were sloppy, they were lackadaisical at times. I mean, the fact that my Philly had a lead going into halftime by one point shows me at times that they lost concentration. I think that's right. Um... The last 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 series that's going, um, I feel like Dallas is in a whole lot of trouble. Like <laughs> they're going against a team that plays defense. Well, they had a lot that went right for them, and Phoenix just sort of the final score looked like what it looked like, but that game wasn't close. Like was it? Phoenix it played, never Phoenix, felt close. No, it never felt close. It felt like Phoenix was getting so much they wanted offensively. That they, they, for much of the game, were playing 80% on defense. And then for about a five-minute stretch late in the third quarter, they were like, okay. Let's, let's start it on. Right. You know, it's the, the, the stuff that kind of – it's funny because Dallas had a similar issue that the Celtics did, although, you know, not, not as egregious in the sense of Dallas went completely away from what worked in the regular season for them offensively. You know, and it was it was balancing Luca isolations and on the ball actions and working Luca off the ball. You know, and they did a good job of that in the regular season. This game was the ball was totally in Doncic's hand the whole game when he was on the court, and 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 he tried to create everything, and that plays right into Phoenix's hands. Phoenix wants that. That's exactly what Phoenix wants you to do. They'll be able to defend that. They'll be able to defend and rotate out of that. This is a very different team in terms of who they're facing defensively with Bridges, Crowder, Cam Johnson. DeAndre Hayton uh, is a little bit better on guards, I think, um, although he did struggle a little bit when they got switches on uh, – got him switched on to Luka. But I think ultimately Chris Paul is going to challenge defensively. Booker is going to fight you defensively. Like there's no real – area where it's like, I can keep going at this guy, he's going to give up drives all night, which is what they got in the other series. And I think they were, they were trying to find something that, and the, and the route they did it was just not who they were all season. It's also this, <laughs> if, if I didn't know better, I'd almost think that, that Phoenix was engaging in a little trickery by sort of taking their foot off the gas. Uh, there was after kind of, they needed like one bucket after the JaVale steal and dunk. And then right. benches come in. And instead, they kind of, Dallas was never really in the game, but they made it seem like they were, and so Luka ends up playing the whole second half. It was annoying, and, and, and it was dumb. And, and it's like, as much as I killed Doc, right, the one thing Doc did was smart was at the end of that game, it was still like a 15-point game, like midway through the fourth quarter or so-and-so. So, so. He pulled the starters because he knew, we're not coming back. We don't have it. Dallas, it was, it, it was similar and, and, and they made it they, – they were in a situation where it's interesting enough that something weird can happen and we could steal this. But the odds of it are so slim and we're just tiring out our guys. You almost might have been better off just saying, hey, at the three-minute mark, should have subbed everybody out. You can understand why you don't, but it's, and it's in, but again, and the, the flow of the game was, was, at, was perfect for them to, like – like almost think they almost if we could just get two more stops we could get it and scores get it and they never got to that point so they were never actually in the game yeah and, and what's funny about that 
is they weren't I, – I would love to have seen a, a stat of consecutive stops because I want to know how many consecutive stops the Mavs got in the, in the second half because I don't feel like they got more than, like, two or three. You know, and didn't, and they definitely didn't string a long stretch of like four or five stops in a row. And I think you got to think that way when you're looking at it as a coach, going like, "Hey, would you, two more stops and we got, and and we have a chance." But it's 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 almost counting possessions. Three minutes left. We're down 15 or whatever it is. We got to knock down. We got to score three points each possession on our way down, and that's holding them to nothing. You know, how many possessions does that take us? You know, that's about 10 total possessions. We're screwed. Let me just sub my guys out. I feel like there's there's an element of like you got to start thinking more that way. I think people look at the time more than actual. Just try to count out the average possession time, and and, and that might be an interesting conversation for us one day, Seth. In terms of in clutch situations, how do you look at it in terms of number of possessions versus time? That, yeah, but but to that point, so this I think like and and. Uh, Mike Bowie, who runs in Predictable, has and I has talked about this before, but he, his win probability model is probably a little too conservative in terms of favoring the leader leading team in kind of the the three point explosion era. But according to his model, the Dallas started the, or Phoenix started the fourth with a ninety seven point five percent win probability. At no point in the quarter was it after that was it any lower than ninety eight point six percent. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it, so it's like like even the superficially close when there's absolutely no danger the entire quarter. And, and, and even with that being conservative, so like it was probably never lower than, if you want it to be more liberal with it, probably never lower than like 94%. I'm just yeah. throwing out a random number trying to sell yeah. smart. Um, <laughs> but like it's, it's, it's around that though. And it's just like you're doing that, and you have a your your best player has coming off an, uh, a muscle injury, and has a history of laying of, of a history of wearing down late in, later in playoff series. And, it, and this one isn't, and this isn't the game where you're going to have two days rest. That's game right. two. Game two, now you're going to have a couple of days rest because there's no games Thursday night, and and then you're able to to go. And I think that's the. Uh, the, the 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 challenge there in terms of the calculation you got to put into some of these stuff. Sure. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it's uh, that's another thing. I mean, it's, that's sort of one of those things that's hard to do during the game. But it's yeah, like for sure. You you sort of you, you sort of have to. Um, anything on Phoenix's side? I don't think they played. I think they they it was a a business like win for Phoenix. I don't think they played great. They didn't, you know, they 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 stuck some they stuck some mid range jump shots, but they didn't like shoot the they didn't shoot the crap out of the ball. They didn't it didn't seem like they fully extended, other than for about like that that four or five minute stretch at the end of the third. I'm gonna say this as both a compliment and an insult. I thought both DeAndre Ayton was great and at times very soft. Yep. You know, and and, and this is a complaint of mine of DeAndre Ayton, yep. probably dating back to last season. He played great. He was awesome. He was he was he was good defensively. He was great offensively. He pounded the glass. He was all over them. But there are times when he needs to play power ball and he constantly goes to finesse ball and it's little floaters. It's it's going for a layup and not a dunk. And like people come back at me sometimes going like it's just two points. No, that's not the point. It's let me draw a foul. If I go to dunk this, I'm putting you I'm getting you in foul trouble. I'm putting my team closer to the bonus, whether I make the dunk or not. More importantly, if I'm coming in here and playing ferocious, this is going to open up more for our team. You're going to you're 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 going to feel it a little bit more. And I think that's something I wish we would see more from Aiton, like more kind of fierceness in it. He played a great game. We got to give him credit for that, and 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 he has a great touch around the rim. But from time to time, man, go try to bang on somebody. This is this is more relevant to the next series. I mean, looking ahead, assuming that it's like like as we sort of expected all year, assuming that it's Golden State and Phoenix. This is looking ahead more to that. I was I did a, I I did the show with Kirk Henderson of Mavs Moneyball yesterday, and the way I described it is, and tell me if you agree with this, is like Aiton's sort of offensive impact is his numbers. He 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 can hurt you. But because he's just sort of catching the ball and shooting quickly, and it goes in a lot. 
but that's not giving you time to double. It's not you're not going get putting him on the foul line. You're not other people aren't kind of eating off of that. He can hurt you, but he can't break you. That's that's actually a great great way, and I'm going to steal that anytime I'm not on something with you. Uh, you know, um, it, it's true. He hurts you. He hurts you, but he's not going to be the one that breaks you. Or at the end of the day, you're going to say, "Damn, he really beat us." And I think that's the 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 thing that the extra um I think he can get there. He's also young, so maybe yeah. I have to give a little more time for development. But first game but, against Golden State this year, he did that. He did like yeah. he he went he was he didn't get to the line that much that game, but he was going at the basket when like the smaller warriors were on him. And that's it's, it's people think it's 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 I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse here, so I'm not going no, to people, fire away. Fire away. Okay, well, well people think it's bullshit. But sending those messages matter. You know, like, there's there's an element of, like, damn, he's coming to play. Giannis driving down the lane and coming in viciously to dunk, people realize, like, yo, he's here to play. Like, yo, this is this is a situation. You know, Aiton coming down the lane and going with a nice little little floater, it goes in, it's great, worth the same amount of points as Giannis, but not worth any sort of intimidation or anything like that. They'll be like, oh, he'll probably miss the next one. We'll be fine. And you it, know, there's no fear factor. Yeah, and it doesn't. And the fear factor, and this is something where, like, this is this is sort of the benefit that like great mid range shooters get sometimes is they cause the defense to overreact. And right. like Aiton doesn't doesn't do like he doesn't give you time to react because oh, I catch it, I'm going to turn rise up and turn and shoot over you, and it'll go in most of the time, which is great. But there's, there's not a double coming. There's not someone like, oh shit, I gotta get, I gotta dig down in the paint to help stop this. I got to, I have to leave my man in the corner to keep him from getting the ball there. I have to, and those are the things that, with a little bit more voice, a little, a little noisier, just being a little noisier in his offensive game, he would draw that attention. Yeah, and it goes along. It'll go a long way for the time. Yeah. Um, I know there's there's one more thing you wanted to, since it's kind of coaching silly season. You wanted to you wanted to hit on that a little bit before we wrapped. So, uh, what's on your mind? So, I wake up this morning and you know Woj tweets out the the hey the Charlotte is opened up their interviews now they're they're starting the process interviewing for a coach and you know they fired James Borrego even though he's improved their win total every year and and I understand the the optics of the playing tournament wasn't very good but. You the the first name that pops off is Mike D'Antoni, and everybody goes completely nuts. Oh my God, him with Lamelo Ball, it's going to be amazing. You know, the team's main issue was defense, and 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 I get it. Like it would be amazing. I would. Lo- I'm going to watch a crap ton of Charlotte games if D'Antoni's coaching Lamelo. It's going to be fun as hell. That team isn't getting better defensively. You know, I know some of its personnel, but just from the head coaching perspective, a coach who never has prioritized defense throughout his career. In all of his coaching stops as a head coach, only two teams have been in the top ten in defensive rating. And one of those years, he was fired midway through the season. It, it, like, there's, there's an element of, like, what are you trying to do here if you're Charlotte? Are you trying to just sell tickets and be a fun name? Or are you trying to compete? And really, like, if you're firing Borrego because he got blown out in the playing tournament game twice, then you need to start figuring out how you're and, – and you want to compete – Ian Tony isn't necessarily the right answer. And I feel like that's kind of the my frustration with a lot of the coaching searches. A lot of retreads. Look at what Sacramento's looking at. The three finalists. Mark Jackson. Mike well, they they've denied that those they're these are the actual finalists. Okay. I mean that's probably because of pushback. Yeah. <laughs> After people got got all shocked. But okay, but but the first three names floated, right? Those two guys and Steve Clifford. Who Listen, I like Steve Clifford as a coach. I think he's great. But, like, this is a young team. You need to kind of energize him a little bit. You know, why isn't there more opportunities for a Darvin Ham or, or, or uh, Sweeney in Dallas? You know, like, those are the guys, like, you want to kind of start. We're seeing the model of younger coaches have done a great job throughout this season, uh, the last few years in terms of that stuff. Like, maybe it's time to get away from the retreads. Yeah. It- <clears throat> I, I think I yes, I mean the the bigger lever there is certainly personnel, but like. But you know, like the funny thing, Seth, is like I get pushback. People are like, oh, he'll hire a defensive assistant. No, he won't. Man, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if he hires a defensive assistant if he doesn't give the defensive assistant any chance to coach. 
Well, so but I, I mean, I think you, you. I mean, an example of where that does work is, I mean, you look at you look at, at, at Dallas and and you know Sean Sweeney, who I worked with for for a couple of years. He's like, you know, he, that, that this is his defense, and Dallas has, I think, fairly sizably outperformed the defensive talent this year. So that can't work if you do that and empower a guy. It's just a question of finding that guy and then you know giving him the time, the practice time, the 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 headspace time of the team to get him to implement stuff. And and to be honest, maybe you, you tell me if you disagree with me. I feel like defense needs more practice time than offense, especially when you have the talent, offensive talents that you would have in Charlotte. Like, well, yeah. we'll find his way. You know, well, especially especially a team that's going to have to scheme their way to a good defense instead of having okay if they if they trade for if they trade for Rudy or something like that then all right we're going to we're yeah. going to we're going to drop and close out hard yeah different. and then but, and then Rudy's going to clean it up like, okay like you don't need a ton of time to do but for a team that you know all right we got to you know PJ Washington can protect the rim a little and you know we've got some other guys like uh, Lamelo can play the passing lanes and and, and stuff like that and. But we don't really have a guy who's great on the ball, so how do we do this? And then you have to figure all that out. Like that's, they're you know getting that to that level of execution. I mean, it took it took Boston with great defensive talent. It took them till January to figure a new system out. Right, and it, I think those are the things that are that like you're 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 challenged with. And I think that's the hard thing with. With with just some of the names that get put out there for coaching wise, you know, and this is this is the opening round interviews. We'll see what happens and 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 how this goes. But it's just sort of it was just my my reaction, and it it, it kind of woke me up a little bit this morning um, in terms of like, ooh, Zach, I'm going to talk to you in a little bit. I got complaints. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the other big thing is it's kind of silly to have hot have big takes about who a team should hire because for yeah. the most part, like. You know, I can speak intelligently about like what a Darvin Ham would bring because I've actually like seen him coach in like the where the real work is done in non-game situations. I've seen where I've seen Charles Lee, I've seen Sean Sweeney. I, I I've never seen these other guys. I don't know. Right, and, and, and that's the most important thing: people that think, "Hey, this guy is going to be great." We have no idea. Like it's it's we can, especially first-time head coaches. With other coaches and, and, and a lot of the guys have been around, we can kind of surmise based on how things have gone in other places, styles, and things like that. And these dudes are old; they don't change. Um, but like the first year head coaches, we can, we never know how they're going to do. You know, like think about it this way: everybody was convinced David Fizell was going to be a great coach. Everybody was convinced Brian Shaw was going to be a great coach when he got his first head coaching job. Right? Those guys that they haven't gotten one since they're assistants now. Fizdale got two, and and, and and Shaw got the one with Denver and whatnot. But everybody's convinced about that. You don't know what's going to happen with first-year head coaches. Memphis didn't know how good Taylor Jenkins was going to be until he got the job and, and got going. And by the way, Taylor Jenkins didn't know how good he was going to be until he started doing the job. It's a very different job than being an assistant coach. And I think that's that's one of those things there. So it's 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 always hard to predict with first-time head coaches. Yeah, I mean, and, and the you know the the thing is, is we have the strongest takes about you know, <laughs> the the stronger a take we have about a coach, probably the less we like them because we the more we've seen the things we don't like, versus someone else who will do things that we don't different things that we don't like. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, like there are probably stops where I think D'Antoni would be a fun coach. A great coach, I think you, you know, he'd be a fun coach in Charlotte. I don't know if he'd be the right coach in Charlotte. No, I, but but I think like. You know what he can do? I think he can make uh, – this might be a bit of a take. I think he can make Utah pretty interesting because they need to change I was, their offense. I was just thinking – I was like, I was literally just thinking that he would be an interesting in Utah. Like that would, be, that would be the single best defensive player he's ever had on his team by some margin. And it wouldn't – and it's like we talked about. wouldn't require a whole lot of coaching defensively. This is what we're going to do defensively. We're going to stay in this. We're going to do that. We're going to make everything up on the offensive end. Let's go. And and, and, and Rudy doesn't exactly play an offensive style that he's adverse to. Like a dive and dunk big, he's had a lot of success with that. Yeah, and and, and I think there's going to I think that like that would be a really interesting spot for him should Quinn Snyder leave. Um, I have a lot of theoretical places of where I think certain coaches would be a lot of fun, but those that those teams haven't fired their head coaches, so I don't know if it's fair to start doing that. We'll save um, it for Thursday. 
<laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> that's the cue for Nerder She Wrote, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mo, th- thanks a lot for joining. Why you want to you want to plug some of your stuff before I let you get out of here? Yeah. Um, I well, I wrote about the Sixers just this morning. Uh, it's on Bleacher Report, uh, so you can go kind of read my a lot of the same takes I had today. You can, if you wanted more with some video clips, you can go read that. <laughs> Uh, I'm on the Athletic Podcast Network. You guys know that because I'm there with, with Seth all the time. Uh, two things I do, though, that, that are probably a little bit lesser known. I'm starting to do watch-alongs with Playback, uh, getplayback.com, uh, doing basically watching playoff games and hanging out. Uh, I try to provide some in-game analysis and just mostly just have fun watching basketball. And I've been doing uh, Twitch streams, sometimes post-game, sometimes the next morning, but going through deep dives into what we're watching in these games and try to fully break it down for everybody to kind of give you a little bit more of a healthy understanding. So twitch.tv slash M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L N-B-A, and you'll uh, be able to find that. Well, cool. Thanks, Mo. Thanks a lot for joining me. It's always uh, it, it's always great to talk to you removed from the shackles of Dave Dufour. So uh, yes, so it's, <laughs> you know, free range Mo is, is good times. And uh, thanks, folks, for listening. Believe I will be back Thursday with uh, with uh, Sam Estrandiari and uh, Andy Lou uh, to talk some Warriors, and they can berate me for my uh, my Warriors skepticism heading into the playoffs. So look forward to that. And. Uh, and you know, Mo, I'll take I'll take that one for for the teams. Yeah, it was only you. I don't yeah. I don't recall having any such conversation <laughs> or any 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 stuff. I'm sure that stuff's not at all on the internet. Nope, nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks thanks for joining. Yeah, thank and, you. And thanks, folks, for listening.